Hi, welcome to the Win the Day podcast. And today we are joined by Matt Cooley, Area Sales Manager at InMode Aesthetic Medical Devices. Matt also attended Purdue University and majored in selling and sales management and was on the Purdue sales team, just like me. And I actually met Matt when he came in to speak to the Purdue sales team. And I got the opportunity to connect with him and kind of build a relationship from there. So um, without any further ado, let me introduce you, Matt Cooley. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Nico. I'm super excited to um, chat with you and kind of share some of my story. Of course, of course. Yeah. So let's get into the first question. So Matt, tell me a little bit more about your experience in selling in sales at Purdue and being on the sales team and just kind of where your mindset was um, at that time for you. Yeah, you know, I, I came to Purdue um, majoring in OLS, Organizational Leadership Supervision. I knew I wanted to do sales, but I actually didn't know that Purdue had a program in selling and sales management. Um, being in a fraternity, I found out that some of the older brothers were in the program, and I switched into the major. Um, one of the best decisions I've ever made in, in my life. Um, you know, that program is, is such a unique and experience. Um, that many other students don't have. And, you know, when I got out into the field after graduating from Purdue, I've honestly never met someone that has a degree in selling and sales management. And so in just understanding the opportunity I had in front of me, um, you know, that's not something I wanted to let go to waste. And Mm -hmm. it's truly been a accelerator for my early career and having uh, four years of education and training that, you know, many people don't have coming out of school that find themselves in sales. Mm -hmm. Totally. So how, how do you think um, being on like the Purdue sales team, how do you think that has impacted your success currently? Has, has that had any effect on it? Do you think? Yeah, definitely early on. Um, you know, the sales competitions, again, are a unique experience of getting um, some real world action with, you know, positive and constructive feedback from your mentors in the department, um, you know, your colleagues in class and, uh, you know, those that you're selling to at, at these companies. Mm-hmm. And where a lot of these internships fail that you might get into in sales is that um, they're more busy work. They're more box checkers, um, nice things to put on your resume if you get in with a good company, but they all honestly lack uh, real selling experience. Mm-hmm. And so in doing those through, you know, starting from getting the case and doing your preparation, your rehearsals, your role plays, um, you know, videoing yourself, everything that goes into it kind of teaches you some of the foundations, um, you know, that I still do today in my meeting prep. Um, I do a lot of the same exercises before I go meet with most of my prospects or clients. Mm -hmm. What are, what are some of those exercises that you do to kind of prepare for a sales call um, in your, in your space? Yeah. So I, I go through this pretty methodically and, you know, first I'm trying to understand everything about, I can about the customer, you know, from researching their website, identifying what products and services they use, Um, Checking out their social media pages and seeing what they're promoting a lot recently to understand Mm -hmm. what they're focusing on. 
what do I think that is a good solution, strategy, product, service for this company that they're not promoting? And why aren't they promoting that? Mm -hmm. You know, the other thing that I find is really important, and this goes for any industry that you're in, there's always going to be someone that has connections or more experience than you do in, in your field. Totally. And when I'm going in to meet with someone that I don't know, I'm finding two or three people that do know them and I'm reaching out gotcha. and I'm figuring out, you know, what, what is their buying process like? Who makes decisions? How do they purchase? Mm -hmm. Have you done business with them? What was that like? You know, those are the questions that, that you got to ask and understand. And then before I go into a meeting, you know, I'll call my regional director, my VP, and I'll say, hey, here's the scenario in the account. This is what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? Mm -hmm. And most of the time, you know, I'll, I'll have it a, a good percentage of the way is correct. But there's always a perspective that someone can provide you from looking at it from the outside that maybe you overlooked or didn't think about. Mm -hmm. And it can really be a key difference maker in how you approach a meeting. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. So what was the, what was your reason to getting into sales? Did it just kind of happen or was there something that attracted you to it? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think there, there's some, uh, there's a multitude of reasons, right? So, you know, growing up, my father was in sales, outside sales. Okay. Um, one of the biggest role models in my life. And some of the things I really liked about, you know, his life is one, you know, the income potential. Mm -hmm. totally. You get into the right sales situation, your, your earnings can be uncapped. You hear that a lot from companies and, and it truly is, it is a lot about finding yourself in the right situation. I love the autonomy of being in outside sales, you know, in, in my 10 year career now, I've never sat behind a desk other than my home office, mm -hmm. you know, um, now, you do need to be a self-starter, and it's one of the key uh, characteristics yeah. of, a, of a strong salesperson, but that's that's something that I possess and something I'm very good at. I don't do well with micromanaging. I, I need to be able to set my own schedule. I can't be told to be into an office at 9 a.m., right? You know, yeah. I didn't have that five totally to the same place every day. I have to be able to um, run things, you know, the way that I see fit. And I think a lot of that has to do with my upcoming, um, you know, growing up, I was an athlete born into a family of athletes, but, you know, I was a quarterback on the football team, pitcher and shortstop on the baseball team. I was always in the position of leadership and control. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing I've gravitated towards in sales is it's really dependent on you to control your own outcome. You're not necessarily relying on um, anyone else to make money for you. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously you have to have your, your product, your branding, your marketing, your company reputation can all help in that. But at the end of the day, uh, sales is still about relationships, positioning, account management, mm -hmm. and, and, and a sales ability. And, you know, having those things in your control, um, you know, is what I really like about sales. Totally. So you mentioned in sales, you have to have kind of that gritty aspect to it of just getting after it every single day and kind of setting your own schedule and being accountable for yourself. How, 
what what advice would you give to a college student like me or just anyone that is aspiring to go into sales how how does someone kind of develop that that drive and kind of that personal development um so they can be uh, more successful in sales and get to where they want to be sure so you know as you'll find out out in the sales world um your your biggest competitors, you know, are are status quo, obviously, and then also the the other people out there in the field. Mm-hmm. And you'll realize that uh, everyone has sales ability. the The talent pool is highly, highly competitive. People have been doing this longer than you. They have mm-hmm. better product expertise than you. They have stronger relationships, or maybe they have a stronger product or service. Anyone that I've ever known that has made it to, you know, a, a area sales manager, a regional director, a VP level, when people talk about what that person was like as a field rep, they all have the same common characteristic, and that's work ethic. Mm-hmm. Hands down, that's what wins at the end of the day, because it's a, it's a marathon. You know, I've been doing this 10 years now, and I think for... Close to 10 years, I've driven over 5,000 miles a month. Oh, you know, for five years, I covered all six New England states. Um, now I cover all the Midwest. I average two to three nights in a hotel. Been doing that for 10 years in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be very, very disciplined. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's not something that you can, you can strong arm and you can slack on your prospecting, your cold calling. Um, or, you know, simply just hitting the road and, and being out in the field. Mm-hmm. And it is tough when you're young and there's the amount of distractions that there are now. Yeah. You know, because most of your friends work a nine to five job. Okay. They, they live in the city. They live in Chicago or Indianapolis and they walk to work and they're hitting happy hours and, you know, going out at night and, you know, those kinds of distractions. It's very, very hard to be successful in sales and live that life at the same time. So, you know, for me, it was understanding what I wanted in in terms of an outcome in life. And I wanted to be able to get into sales management, into the role that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now I'm aspiring to be a regional director and, you know, eventually hopefully be a VP one day. Mm -hmm. And so the way that I look at it is, you know, driving 5,000 miles a month sucks being in a hotel away from your family and now have two little girls two to three nights a week, that's hard on, on myself and my family. When you move up the ladder, you're doing less of that traveling. Mm-hmm. You're more quarterbacking. You're doing more closing, more of the, the fun sides of sales, getting out of prospecting and cold calling and, you know, the, the high amount of rejection. Yeah. So the way I always looked at it was, you know, how long do I want that to take? Okay. I, I can put my nose to the ground and, and go really hard and dedicate myself to this. And I guarantee I'll get to that point much quicker than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's always been one of my biggest motivators is knowing where I want to go in my sales career. And then just looking at it backwards and understanding what it takes to get there. Yeah, I think I think that's a great mindset to have, um, especially um, you having that at such a young age in college and just being able to have that vision and kind of re 
reverse engineer um, to kind of get to where you want to be. I think I think that's really cool. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your story, how you got started out in sales, like your first sales job and to kind of like where you are now um, and how you kind of moved up to that manager position um, and maybe share some stories. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So I, I was doing the sales competitions and mm-hmm. at the time, the Russ Barrier Institute out in New Jersey was the big national sales competition. Purdue was only going to take two students, um, mm-hmm. myself and another were selected to go. I did very well at that competition. And at the award ceremony, I was given a job offer by a company called Reynolds and Reynolds selling software and digital marketing to car dealerships and large auto groups. Mm-hmm. They gave me a territory out in Boston. I covered all six New England states. Um, it was quite the culture shock being this like nice Midwest kid going out to <laughs> New England, working with these Italian asshole car dealers. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I definitely got my teeth kicked in for a really long time, but one of the best experience I could have ever put myself into as difficult that it was. Mm-hmm. And I was really successful in, in what I was doing. I was making phenomenal money. You know, I had no kids. Um, you know, my wife and I were dating at the time. Um, more money than, you know, we possibly needed. But at that young of an age, I knew that I, I desired more. I knew mm-hmm. I was capable of more. And I began to think, you know, what's this going to look like when I'm 30, 35, 40? And at this company, there was no upward mobility that was presented to me or anyone else. There was four managers across the entire country that had been there for a really long time. And they didn't have any plans of changing that. I began tapping out the pay plan that, you know, it's no matter what you did in sales, you couldn't really make more than, than the top of the pay plan. Mm-hmm. And so I began to look around. I loved the industry. I loved the job that I was doing, but you know, really it comes down to money and lifestyle and, and the position. And so I, uh, I was bitching one day to a former colleague and, um, you know, he said, you ought to talk to my guy, Kurt Signetti, he sells lasers to med spas, plastic surgeons, dermatologists. I said, nah, I don't really know a whole lot about that. Well, five minutes later, my phone rang. The guy gave, you know, the number to Kurt. And I talked to Kurt and, um, you know, I, I couldn't believe how much money these guys were making, mm-hmm. uh, how cool the technology and industry was. And, you know, they presented upward mobility to me. That's amazing. What was tough about the situation to stomach was right before me, they had hired four other guys in the Midwest and they're all very talented. I met with them. I knew them. I go through my first year as a basic field rep. I get promoted into a senior territory manager. Those other four guys all got promoted into area sales manager. Okay. Just within the Midwest. And I thought, man, how am I going to break through this mold? You know, there's no real opening for me here. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I sat down two years ago and I thought of my entire year as a resume. And I think this is a really good point. I'd highly recommend, again, going back to your point about reverse engineering, was I said, okay, at the end of this year, when Dan Wilson, the vice president, is looking at, you know, the jockeying and and the movements that people might make upwards, backwards, or out, what would it take for him to look at my year and say, 
this guy is has we have to put him in this position yeah and before i get into that i was asking brandon and i my regional director about this plan and what it would take to do and his answer was very simple and he said matt you just need to be undeniable undeniable you need to have a performance that hits on all different aspects that there is no other choice. Mm -hmm. We can't lose you to someone else because other people are going to recognize what you're doing. You have to outperform everyone else. It simply needs to be undeniable. So I thought, okay, what does an area sales manager, a successful area sales manager career look like or a year look like? And that's what I wanted to mold mine after. Okay. So in, in the role of the territory manager, you're not closing your own business. They're, you know, they're big deals. There's complicated parts with financing and POs and uh, a lot of different moving pieces. And the territory manager's role was to set up an area sales manager for the close. Okay. So what I began doing was going out on my own and closing my own business. And I got my hand slapped in the beginning. And then they began at scene. I had that quality. I had the ability to go out and close my own business. I knew I wanted to sell a good spread of the portfolio. We have nine different systems that do nine different things. We have a couple that are really like flagship products. You know, a basic rep will just sell a high amount of the flagship models. Okay. But if I had good product expertise, I could show that through that I can sell a wide variety of systems. Mm -hmm. You know, that it, no matter the situation that I get in, if that is the right solution for the customer, I have product expertise to convince them this is the right move and then the ability to close it. Gotcha. I wanted to have a highest average sales price. Okay. Can I show that if I am put into a position of a closer, that I can hold gross margin and I can make sure that the company's making the most money off the deal, Matt's going to make good commission off the sales. Right. Mm -hmm. The last part that was really critical and I think is the fastest way to move up is one, buying into the culture of your company and then two, helping others when you're not necessarily compensated for it or, you know, challenged to do so. Yeah. And out of Chicago, there was three young territory managers that uh, had a manager that really wasn't doing a whole lot with them. They're kind of left out on an island. I took it upon myself to develop a training curriculum with them. I would call them every morning as if I was their manager and I'd review product knowledge with them. I'd ask them about their pipeline deals that they were working on. It got to the point where they were pre-call planning with me versus their manager. And at the end of the year, when Dan Wilson gave me the promotion, he said, you know, Matt, I talked with Kevin, Zach, and Dave, and they all said the same thing. You're more of a manager to them than this guy ever was. And that's exactly what I wanted to go out and achieve and prove. And so I think if you can look backwards and reverse engineer where you're trying to go, mm -hmm. it really creates a simple formula. And then it's all about doing the work. Yeah, totally. Gotcha. So <clears throat> you mentioned um, being undeniable. Obviously, you kind of developed that throughout your unique sales kind of journey. Um, what advice, what are like three pieces of advice you would give to younger aspiring salespeople um, 
that are about to get into the industry, what are, what are some pieces of advice you would give um, to kind of avoid some of the mishaps from uh, their journey? Obviously everyone's going to have like their ups and downs, but what are, what are three pieces of advice you would um, give, give to younger people to kind of avoid that um, and make it more of a smoother process and a quicker process you would say? Yeah. The three things I would probably really focus on is one, you need a mentor Mm -hmm. and you need a couple of them, right? Yeah. My dad's an entrepreneur. He has multiple businesses. I talk to him all the time about what I'm doing. He gives me an outside perspective. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law is a big financial advisor, wealth manager. I talk to him about money all the time. My regional director, the guy that I report to directly, he he takes all these different sales courses and and programs and neurolinguistic classes, and he's really hones in on his craft. Um, you know, I I've stuck to that guy ever since I've gotten here, mm-hmm. and you know he's he's helped me tremendously from you know per, professional and personal standpoint. But you have to find someone in, in your company that can help you navigate the, the politics of the company, that can help you navigate um, how to be successful at a young age and avoid some of those landmines that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay? Because you're not going to have the experience. You're not going to have the knowledge. Yeah. You have to find someone that believes in you and wants to help you get to the next level. Because again, going back to how I was helping those three young territory managers, that's what everyone in senior management wants to see. Okay. People want to help you more than you realize they want to help you. Yeah. It's just, I see young, young sales reps are either insecure, embarrassed, or scared to reach out for help. But what you don't understand is that person that you want to reach out to, but you're not quite like ready to do so is dying to mentor someone because his boss is going to see and notice that. And it's going to be a gold star on his chart. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing I could ever offer advice for is find a mentor and find someone that you respect and model your business and work ethic after theirs. Totally. The next thing is, um, is really about professionalism and maturity. Okay. You know, it's tough when you're young, people can smell it on you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when you get into sales, you know, you're, you're often talking about large investments. You're talking about, you know, magnet, the magnitude and seismic changes of someone's business of switching all their software over. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's going to take months and cause all these headaches and everyone you're talking about managing someone's, you know, financial investments of a, of a large amount of money. You're selling them, you know, capital equipment to the tune of 200, 500, a million dollars. These are huge, huge business decisions. And if you are some young 22, 25 year old kid, it's like, do I really trust that person? Yeah. You know, and again, look at it backwards. If, if you're, you know, a 45 year old business guy, that's really up and coming and you're hitting your stride and someone approaches you about something that, you know, unique and maybe it piques your interest, but it's like, do I trust this kid? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You need to 
be able to develop a sense of maturity. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it's overlooked. It sounds cliche, but the things about, you know, looking clean, wearing nice clothes, arriving on time, being diligent with your follow-up, being professional in your responses. Uh, that's, it is often overlooked because it seems like such a cliche thing to say, mm-hmm. but I can tell you that it's, it is a struggle being in sales at a young age when you're talking about really big numbers and, and decisions. Yeah. Okay. The third thing that um, I think is really critically important is becoming a force in your industry. Okay. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I always want people to know is, is my name. You know, when I introduce someone, um, you know, I'm of the opinion I don't introduce myself ever to anyone in an office. I am Matt. It's I am Matt Cooley. Yeah. Okay. I want you to know my name. And I want my name to be known in this industry. Okay. I want someone to be talking about me every day, all the time in different offices. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, do you know Matt Cooley? He's really good at this. You should talk to Matt Cooley. You should talk to Matt Cooley. Right? Network, 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 network. Yes. You have to network. You have to understand who knows who. Mm-hmm. Okay. In any field and industry, you have to play the who's who's game. You really need to take time outside of work and go to lunch with people, go to dinner with people. I have found in this day and age, the best way to do that is get on a texting basis. And actually with my reps, we track different metrics. Okay. How many meetings are you setting in a week? How many did you go on? How many credit applications did you get for financing? Deals, obviously. But the really big one I track is how many cell phones did you get? Mm -hmm. Okay. When, when you go into these large offices, you know, there, there's complexity to them and bureaucracy. You have, a, you have a gatekeeper, someone at the front desk. You have an office manager. You have someone that handles, you know, billing and financing, the service side of things, right? There, there's all these different jobs and responsibilities, but the person writing the checks makes those decisions. Yeah. If I don't have their personal information and I need to follow back up with them, I got to go back up that chain of command. Right. I try and end most of my meetings. I pull out my phone and say, well, hey, let me grab your cell. Okay. I follow up with the text afterwards. And then when it gets down to crunch time at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year, and you're trying to hit quota, you're trying to hit your numbers, Mm -hmm. you know, end of the year right now for us, there's tons of distractions going on with the holidays. You got to understand all of your people in financing and accounting are trying to wrap up their year. The last thing that they want is the owner throwing a big new project or a change of services on their plate while they're trying to wrap up their year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Office managers and these people in accounting and billing are not that apt to get you in front of that owner because they know what you're trying to do. You're trying to disrupt their world. Okay. But if I have a relationship and I built that over text, I'm going to have a much easier chance and a much better chance than my competition of getting in front of that decision maker Mm -hmm. because I have that key personal contact. Yeah, totally. Building rapport at the start of at the start of a sales call is super important and it really helps build that trust. And that's an interesting way because most people 
nowadays don't really I feel like most people don't really think of like texting as like or like messaging like online is like kind of a new way of building rapport in my opinion it's like a good way to kind of be able to prospect like you said earlier um, going on socials and just looking at your potential buyers and just trying to learn everything about them and I think that like social media and mess online messaging has really opened the gates to sales and has become a huge tool um, for people like you um, like you just said but um so we are we got 10 minutes left i'm going to ask you two more questions um are there any specific sales strategies that you would recommend um, people to use to increase their sales yeah obviously um, there's obviously there's a lot but is is there a specific one that that you try and focus on when you're closing yeah it's it's tough to pinpoint a single sales strategy that applies to everything because there's so many different types of sales, right? Yeah. Different, you know, products, services, and are you selling to a private or a large group? How many decision makers, the complexity of it. Um, one thing that I've found, I guess two things I'll share. Storytellers in, in my experience have been the best salespeople I've ever worked with. Yep. When I first started out at Reynolds and Reynolds, I had this manager that would come on some meetings with me and all he did was sit there and tell stories. <laughs> I work with this car dealer over in Ohio and he does all X, Y, and Z with me. And like, he had all this success and, and this guy and like, I would get out of there and be like, Fred, you never talked to him once about the product. <laughs> you never like, he doesn't even know what we're selling. And I never understood it for the longest time. And what I've realized is that, you know, especially business owners that don't maybe work directly with the product or service, they really don't give two shits about all the tech and specs that you think are so important and, mm -hmm. and the nitty gritty of how it's different than the competitors and these little minutia details. It's, you know, does it work? Is it going to make me money? And can you tell me? other, you know, important figures in my industry or field that have made money with it mm -hmm. and do well with you. And it's, it's social credibility is what it comes down to, you know, and a large part of what I do in my sales meetings, when a rep brings me into an account, is I'm talking about the, you know, the important figures in plastic surgery and dermatology that I work with, mm -hmm. you know, the money that they've made with our products and services, what they've switched to and, you know, what they're using now, how they run their business. I really don't get into a whole lot of tech and specs anymore with people. Okay. Because a lot of, you know, if, if I say that Dr. So-and-so uses this and I know that he's a really trusted name and he's admired in his field, you know, they're going to take that word for gospel, right? Mm -hmm. um, social credibility can be a, major sales strategy in, in any field and expertise. Um, I've seen so many salespeople and even, you know, myself early in my career lose interest in a meeting because I'm rambling on about things that they simply do not care about. Yeah. 
the other thing that I'll say um, to go with social credibility that's a really good strategy is, is simply building urgency and controlling time frame. Okay. Again, this can be dependent on the product and service that you're selling, the magnitude of it, how many moving pieces and decision maker, makers are involved. But I always try and avoid uh, giving out price for terms of the deal until we're ready to sign. Mm-hmm. In a dream perfect scenario, we would set up a closing, we would have pen and paper out, and then they would say, you still have not told me the price. Yeah. And at that point, I know they're now ready to hear it. Okay. What a weak salesperson will do is have a discount that they know they can offer and they'll run through their features and advantages and benefits. And they'll say, customers say, well, what's the price? Perfect. We're asking about price. We have a deal going down. Here's my awesome discount I can give you. Now I'm not needed. Okay. Mm-hmm. They know what my product and service does. They know how much it costs. Great. Let me think about it. Now I'm sitting there sending emails. Hey, just checking in, just circling back. Wanted to follow up with you. Okay. The more I'm chasing them, the more, you know, annoying that that is, the less responses that I get. Totally. The more information that I can withhold and pace that as I feel that they're getting closer and closer to make a decision, the more that I actually am valuable in this decision, right? So at the end, then I like to build urgency. Mm -hmm. There needs to be a reason that we have to meet at this date and time and we have to execute the deal by this date and time. Okay. If I don't control the time frame, all I'm doing is chasing them down. Totally. You know, having a story built around urgency of, I will do this for you, but it's because we have this opportunity available and it expires right now. Mm -hmm. Or I have this upcoming opportunity. But in order to know that, you know, I can present it to you, I have to see if you're qualified for it. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm getting them to commit to look at financing and we're running applications and we're making sure that the buyer is qualified. Okay. Or, you know, maybe it's, hey, if I do present this opportunity and if I do have it, are you in a position to make a move? Who else would we need to speak with here? to make sure that we're good to go, okay? Mm-hmm. Using urgency and controlling the time frame will help you close so many more deals because one of the most frustrating things you get into sales is um, you know, people really don't want to leave status quo. I said it earlier in this podcast, your biggest competition is status quo. It's really not the competitor. It's really not something else that's out there cheap, cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's disrupting that world and ecosystem. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to make a big change. Oh my God. Switching out all my software is going to take six months. It's going to cost me productivity. It's going to piss off my employees. I can hardly use my iPhone. How can I use a new CRM system? All of these things. I don't want to make a switch to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Challenging yourself against status quo is always going to be your biggest headache, okay? And it's chasing people down. And if you don't have a good urgency story to use, and if you don't have a good relationship with that person where you've connected personally, 
I think you'll be chasing status quo for a really long time. So those are the big things that I could recommend from a sales strategy standpoint. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah. Those, those are actually all the questions I have today. Um, we are coming close to the end of this podcast. Um, but I really just want to thank you for zooming in to this podcast and sharing some knowledge. Um, it was a pleasure speaking to you about your story. Um, I, since, since the Purdue, the Purdue meeting, I already know a little bit about, uh, your background, but this is for, for my audience. So I hope, I hope all you guys got a lot of value out of this podcast and can learn, um, something that you can put into your business or life. Um, as always subscribe and save this episode. If you got any value from it in any ways, have a great weekend and remember to win the day. Ciao.